You're listening to the MVP Real Estate and Mortgage Report. The views and opinions shared on this program don't necessarily reflect those of Citywide Home Loans. Citywide Home Loans, LLC, NMLS 67180. David Hosterman, NMLS 220562. Jonathan Edwards, NMLS 671258. Equal housing lender. Regulated by the Division of Real Estate. Call for additional cost information. Program qualifications and offerings are subject to change at any time. Not all that apply will qualify. Other restrictions may apply. Good morning and welcome to the MVP Real Estate and Mortgage Report. I'm Jonathan Edwards with Citywide Home Loans. In the studio this morning, we have our MVP guest host, Dan McCabe with Exchange Resource Group. This is the show that brings you today's most relevant real estate insights and experiences from the industry's most dedicated players. Dan, thanks for joining me on the show today. Oh, you're welcome. Looking forward to it. We've got a great show lined up. Dan is going to school us in the art of 1031 exchange. If you are a real estate investor or would like to be someday, then keep listening because this show is for you. A 1031 exchange or reverse exchange can be an essential part of your real estate portfolio. Stay tuned for a triple play of Denver's hottest listings and our yellow card disclaimer. That Citywide Home Loans and the Exchange Resource Group are not affiliated entities. Listeners are not required to use either participant to work with the other participant. Dan, thanks so much for joining me on the show today as our MVP guest host. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been in Colorado? Lived in Colorado the last 27 years. Prior to that, lived and practiced law and was a judge in Oregon for uh, 24 years. And uh, then moved to beautiful Colorado and haven't, haven't looked back. <laughs> you mentioned that on the way in, and since this this show is on a sports channel, we can mention this. Uh, you grew up in Oregon, or at least yeah, lived I, there for quite a, quite a while? Yeah, I graduated from high school in, in Eugene. Okay. Went to college there at Southern Oregon, and then law school there at Willamette after the Marine Corps. Gotcha. All right, very cool. Uh, so how long have you been working with 1031 Exchange and real estate investments? I've been, uh, I did my first 1031 exchange as, uh, as a qualified intermediary in 1977 when I was still practicing law, back, back in the days before the Starker case, which has changed all the ground rules. But uh, even in those days, I had a practice that was pretty heavily um, represented the largest realtor in the state, represented a lot of builders and developers. So I've been in real estate literally uh, for the last 50-plus years. Wow. All right, so we got some experience on the show today. That's exciting. Looking forward to it, Dan. How has your business been affected by the recent slowdown in real estate? Have you guys on your end seen business shift at all? A little bit, yeah. We're, we're probably down about uh, 28 to 30% from our, our most recent numbers we've looked. Uh, and that's basically the uh, what I'll call the consumer side, um, where somebody who has one single-family residence or one condo or something that they've been renting for a number of years is selling it. Our players, as I tend to call them, people who are deeply involved in the real estate market and continue to be, they're still they're still going forward because yep. that's uh, that's what they do. Yeah, and they'll they'll deal with those uh, rates and and you know what's the old expression you 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 marry the building and date the rate. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you, I've heard that a lot lately, oh, Dan. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, I think you make a great point. I kind of want to touch on that. Since you work with and have worked with for so long with real estate investors, I think that's such an important point to make that investors, there's always time for a deal. There's always an opportunity out there to, to purchase a real estate. And if you're willing – and sometimes you, 
you may realize that benefit in a short period of time, a year, two years, three years. But I bet more often than not, the benefit is finally realized years and even decades down the road. Well, the, the, you know, the, somebody told me years ago, and it certainly proved to be true, that you make your money on the buy. You enjoy it on the sale. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that's absolutely true. There's, there's always opportunities in the marketplace. One simply has to, um, A, have exposure to the right people in the marketplace who can bring those deals to your attention, and then B, have the relationships established with, a, with lenders, with 1031 uh, qualified intermediaries, with brokers, that you can capitalize on those deals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, tell us about your team. I know, I know Ken Pullman, yeah. who uh, works with you over there. Ten, Ken and I have become pretty good friends over the years. He, he teaches some classes for you guys. Yeah. Um, but tell us a little bit about the rest of your crew over there. Well, um, there's, there's a group of us, obviously. No, no man stands alone. Uh, <laughs> Drew um, heads up the team, and uh, I'm thankful for that because he has to make the heavy decisions and I don't. Um, uh, Scott Rodley uh, has been with us for – 20 years um, or so. Uh, a, uh, I'm almost reluctant to say it. Another attorney, a University of Montana Law School graduate. Uh, Kayla Burns um, has joined us about four years ago and as an intern, and then we liked him enough, we kept him. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've got Leanne down in Texas. We've got Dave, a rep down in Florida. We've got uh, Mike, another rep in Florida. Um, Shirley handles all the money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sherry, you got a great uh, crew. Yeah, we do. We've, we've, and some of us have been together a long, long time. Well, that's great. And and knowing Ken and now knowing you, um, it's interesting to hear about the other players and everybody else who's working behind the scenes to help keep keep the operation going. Well, it's you know you you have to have you have to have teams with a team with different talents and different experience. And at the end of the day, the combined total is makes you a winner. Uh, now, we know you work in real estate investment at 1031 Exchange. Are there any other areas of investment or expertise you guys work in or provide guidance for? Well, basically, almost any uh, investment real estate. The, the, uh, the current 1031 statute has been modified down to where it only applies to real estate now. There was a time when it applied to any investment property, and we've done things like aircraft and and fishing boats and a a uh, $3.7 million Pontiac and you know, <laughs> railroads, but now it is purely a real estate play. Okay. And so, you know, from that, we're looking at all the options. Um, and the other thing, quite frankly, that I found I do as, I, as I'm getting older is, is I kind of serve as, I had a call the day before yesterday from a, from a person I've known for the last seven or eight years uh, who's been in single-family residences and says, I'm thinking about getting – buying my first apartment. Do you have someone I might be able to talk to who could give me some? Sure. Call this broker. This yeah. Call that broker. There are people who specialize in that, and they'll be glad to help educate you. So yeah. you sometimes find yourself getting an opportunity to put people yeah. together, and, and that's fun. That's and cool. Fun and exciting. And, yeah. <laughs> something a little bit different, right? Absolutely. comes across your desk. Well, you very exciting. Like, you feel like you're doing something for everybody. All right, Dan, great info so far. Let's dive in. We're going to talk about the old 1031 exchange uh, for real estate investors. Now, I say the old 1031 exchange. How long has the 1031 exchange been around from an IRS tax? Over 100 years. Okay. So it's been around for a while. 102 years old. 
All right. Yeah, it's not. People say it's a loophole, and I said, "Well, it's a it's an old loophole. It's been there for a long <laughs> period of time." Which probably doesn't make it much of a loophole anymore, does well, it? Yeah, and and the the you know the as anything, whenever I think it was Thomas Jefferson who said, "When no man's person or property is safe when the legislature is in session." So, right. <laughs> uh, the the Congress has modified it, and the courts, uh, in a few cases, have modified it, but it's still a extremely useful and very powerful real estate tool. Well, and that leads right into my next question, which is probably the most obvious for our listeners out there that aren't familiar with the term 1031 exchange. Can you can you break that down for us? What does that sure. mean? It, it, the name 1031 comes from Section 1031 of the Internal Revenue Code. So uh, literally what that allows you to do is take a piece of real estate that you've held for trade, business, or investment, so it doesn't apply to your primary residence, trade, business, or investment, and sell it defer the normal capital gains that you would pay on the gain or profit on the building and reinvest it in another uh, real estate asset held for trade, business, or investment and defer all those capital gains. Quick example. Let's assume uh, you bought a condo uh, 15 years ago for $300,000. Today it's worth $600,000. If you don't do a 1031, the Internal Revenue Service is going to tax you 20% on that, roughly, on that uh, $300,000 gain, and then the state of Colorado is going to want 4.55%. And okay. Uh, so you're going to end up, and then depending on other situations, whether or not the Affordable Health Care Act applies in your case, you're going to end up somewhere uh, between 25 and, and 29% of that profit is going to go to the government, never to be seen by you again. Whereas if you do a 1031 – you can leave that $600,000 in the game by one or two or three other properties and watch them grow and mature and, and benefit you. So we probably don't need to dive too deep into this, but as you were explaining that, it occurred to me that the state also likes to collect taxes. So is Correct. the state cool with the 1031 exchange? Is yes. there a specific state law that you have to deal with? Or as long as you're doing a 1031 through the federal government, it automatically kind of applies to the state. Now, now that the state of Pennsylvania has come around, all 50 <laughs> states, and they just did that. They were holding out? Ago. Yeah, yeah. They were, they were still charging their state tax. But all 50 states allow that deferral. Um, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but there are. We don't need to. There but are a couple of states now doing some things slightly weird. different. But Colorado is, is, follows the national uh, trend, and, and you can, you're not restricted to, to buy in the state you sold in. You can sell okay. in Colorado and buy in Texas. Gotcha. Okay. Um, So does this only apply to real estate or are there other investments? We already kind of touched on this, but why I brought this up was I had read something that you can, you can, can you trade a business itself for another business? No. Okay. Uh, No longer. Okay. There, there was a time when I first started in this business that it was any asset held for trade, business, or investment. So, okay. And now like it's said, simply we, real estate. Now it's simply a real – well, it's real estate assets. Anything that the state in which it is located considers to be real estate assets. Where that gets interesting is like in Colorado, Colorado considers water rights to be a real estate asset. Okay? Okay. So we have done – rancher has sold water rights, bought an apartment building. Uh, you get into the, to the petroleum-producing states – and most uh, mineral rights are mm-hmm. considered to be an asset. So I personally own gas and oil rights in uh, a couple of states okay. on the sale of a rental house years ago. Oh, so, interesting. Okay. Uh, it's, it doesn't have to be bricks and mortar. It just has to be a real estate interest. 
So what are some of the key kind of requirements that that somebody needs to know about if they're considering this? Obviously, they should probably uh, consult a professional, but what are you sent over a brochure to me earlier? I was looking it over. Talk to me about some of those key requirements that are necessary. Sure. Um, yeah. When when even considering a, a 1031. Well, there, there are basically six points. And at the end of the day, I'll throw in what I think is the seventh. But number one, both the, both the relinquished property, the old property, and the replacement property, the new property, must be held for trade, business, or investment. Okay? So it means that the primary purpose of that, of that property is to produce income or to produce growth. Okay. So trade, business, or investment. Number two. You must use a qualified intermediary. You cannot take that money, put it in your bank, and then go buy another piece of property. The IRS does not allow that. They do not allow you to control the funds during this intervening period of time, and the time becomes very, very important. Dan, do you guys act as a qualified intermediary? That's exactly what we are. We okay, are, we gotcha. We are commonly known as a QI in the industry, okay. qualified intermediary. Um, and so, or sometimes known as a facilitator or accommodator, Yep. Different titles, but still the same function. Number three, from the day you close, close being defined as risk of loss passing, you have 45 days within which you have to identify new properties you wish to purchase. We make that very easy. We remind you, we send you an email, we give you a form to fill out. That's very easy, but you have to identify properties you're then interested in purchasing. Number four, Again, from that date of closing, you have 180 calendar days within which you have to repurchase replacement property. And they don't care if it's Christmas or your birthday. They're not going to give you an extension with rare exceptions. And those exceptions are almost always national disasters like Katrina was one. All right? That everybody recognizes. Number five, the taxpayer that sells must be the taxpayer that buys. Okay, so if you... Own the property in your name, under your social security number. That's how you must purchase the new property. If you hold it in an entity under a tax ID number, that entity, that tax ID number must purchase the new property. Quick question on that. If my grandfather buys a property and leaves it to me when he passes, Mm -hmm. does that, that would obviously be two different social security numbers. Can that somehow pass through a... Yeah, well, at the time of of the probate of your grandfather's estate, Mm-hmm. That property is going to be deeded to you. Okay. Now you get a step up in basis at that point in time. Okay. Which is a whole other. A whole other. <laughs> but um, then you are the owner. Okay. And um, you're going to re- you're going to okay. report the the income and expenses from that property. Let's assume your grandfather left you a farm in Nebraska and you right. leased it to the next door neighbor. You're going to report the income and expenses on that property on your tax return. So when you sell it, the title company is going to issue a 1099 to your tax return. The big computer in the Utah desert that belongs to yeah. the IRS is going to say, what did you do with it? And at the end of the exchange, you're going to inform them, I reinvested. And so they're going to say, okay, no okay. tax. Gotcha. Rule number six, and last but not least, but the one that confuses a lot of folks is you must reinvest all of the cash proceeds and buy what we call equal or up in order to have a 100% deferred exchange. Quick example, let's assume that that $300,000 condo that you want to sell Two hundred thousand in equity and a hundred thousand dollar mortgage. Okay, at the time of the sale, the mortgage lender is going to be paid off. Your reinvestment goal is going to be that three hundred thousand dollars. Okay, you can deduct the costs of sale um, from that amount, but 
your cash plus debt relief is your reinvestment goal. If you hit that, there is no tax. If you do need to take out ten grand to pay for something, you can do that. You simply expose that $10,000 to tax. To that 25 29% tax rate. Gotcha. Correct. Okay. All right. You are listening to the MVP Real Estate and Mortgage Report on ESPN Denver, 1600 AM. Check out past episodes on our podcast at denversports.com. For mortgage questions and information, give us a call at 303-921-5747. And if you would like to get in touch with Dan McCabe or anybody over there at the uh, 1031 Exchange Resource Group, they can be reached at 303-789-1031. Dan, this is one of my favorite parts of the show. This is where I'm going to introduce three of Denver's hottest listings. And our first one here is a great one. Excellent agent, Marie Rodriguez at Brokers Guild. She's got a great listing at 1457 Juliet Street in Aurora. It's currently listed at 399000 a single-family residence, just under 1,800 square feet. A, uh, it's got four bedrooms, two bathrooms, Excellent, excellent price for a four-bed, three-bath ranch with full partially finished basement and two-car attached, deta- excuse me, detached garage. Uh, pre-qualification is required for all offers. Please allow the seller two to three business days for a response. Great, great photos online. I was looking at the photos earlier. This is an incredible property. Reach out to Maria Rodriguez at 720-296-5424. My next one here is Aaron Klein with Home Smart, and he's got a great property at 7646 Pennsylvania Court. This one on the market at 599000 another single-family residence, uh, 2,530 square feet roughly, with six bedrooms and four bathrooms. So the rare six-bed, four-bath home. Uh, which if you've got a lot of kids or a lot of people staying with you, <laughs> that's going to come in handy, huh? And those are rare and hard to find. They are, they certainly are, for sure. Uh, this one's got a reduced price. Uh, it's in unincorporated Adams County. This property boasts a range of amenities, including walkout basement, picturesque views, uh, basement apartment with separate entrance. This is a really, really cool property. If you'd like some more information on it, give Aaron Klein a call at 303 668 Seven two six five, and finally, we've got a really cool property here, Dan. Today, this one is three sixty fourth Street, Unit A and B, and this is in Monument, and it's currently so. This is a duplex that we're looking at. It's currently on the market at seven hundred forty nine thousand eight hundred eighty seven dollars. Very specific. And this home has traditionally been a multifamily home, multi-generational home, but it is a duplex. So keep that in mind if you're looking to get into maybe the investment game a little bit. Maybe Dan could even help you do a 1031 down the road. Uh, building area total square footage, 2,632 square feet. Uh, each unit is a three-bed, two-bath um, just a beautiful property. It was originally designed as a fourplex because the property itself is is uh, pretty big, uh, but ended up going as a uh, duplex. So you've got a lot of space there on the property itself. There's no HOA. Some really really cool pictures online. If you have some, inf- if you'd like some more information on this property, give Maria Grant a call at seven one nine three three seven four eight nine three. All right, Dan, that brings us to the second half of the show. Actually, we're a little past the the halftime mark. 
Uh, but I wanted to talk some more about 1031 exchange and then also dive a little bit into a reverse exchange. Okay. So first, my first question here is, can you provide some examples of how your clients have used 1031 exchanges? And you've already kind of provided a couple examples, but any others that sort of stick out in your mind that uh, that people may find interesting? Well, a, a strategy that I wanted to touch on based on your last listing there is I had a gentleman um, who was getting ready to retire and he was selling a uh, couple of single-family residences that he had owned for quite some time and buying a fourplex. And uh, that duplex kind of brought that story back to mind. Yeah. Because this, this would be an excellent strategy for somebody with that. So as he explained to me, he was renting all four of them out until he retired. And then he was going to move into unit number one. Mm-hmm. Spend two years there so that it became his primary residence. Yep. Rehab it. Yep. Put unit number one on the market. Mm-hmm put the gain in his pocket basically because yep. he'd had the 200 you would have the $250,000 um, 121 exemption yep move into unit number 2 and he said that was his retirement plan was start with one and end up in four <laughs> <laughs> and he and he jokingly said and I'll be in four until they send me to the home but um, <laughs> those types of forward thinking um, tax savvy real estate investments are what are making a lot of people um, wealthy beyond their wildest dreams. Giving them the opportunity to retire earlier than they oh, may have thought. Absolutely, and, uh, and and retire with or stay stay working with multiple streams of income, so that if your if your company does have a cutback, everybody else will really notice it. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, Dan, because yeah. now as you're saying that to me, I, I've got ideas that are kind of flowing through my head, but. If you let's uh, let's say we're buying a fourplex because I know with FHA uh, VA conventional financing from a residential standpoint, you can purchase a four unit property as long as you live in one of those units as your primary residence. You can rent out the other three. So my forward thinking is, you have to buy that property as your primary residence if you wanted to rent that down the road and then maybe trade it in for an eightplex or something like that down the road. Would you have to move out of the property and make the whole thing an investment? No, it's, okay. that would be what we would call a mixed-use property. Okay. Okay. So let's just, for the interest of th- keeping things simple, twenty-five percent of that property is your primary residence. Seventy-five percent of that property is ten thirty-oneable. Okay. Okay. You think of a ranch. The house is where you live. Right. You don't live out on the South Forty. Right. So that's called a mixed-use property. Okay. And it's becoming very, very common. We're seeing an awful lot of it. Uh, particularly in the live-work community, where uh, there's a building, your your business is downstairs, and you live upstairs. Okay. okay. Mixed use. And, and even with people, uh, we've seen this a lot recently because of COVID, um, people moved out of offices or were sent home from offices and lived and worked out of their houses. So, you know, if you've got a, a place in your house, let's assume that you converted three years ago, you converted one of the bedrooms into an office. Yep. And you've been conducting your mortgage business out of yep. that or your whatever it might be sure. out of that. And you decide to sell the property. If it benefits you, that portion, as, essentially as the square footage relates to the entire square footage, that portion of it can be 1031. You can go buy another property. Okay. 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 Uh, using that same combination uh, of ingredients. Interesting. Okay, very cool. The mixed use. All right, so if you finally feel like you've sort of grasped the concept of a 1031 exchange, let's try to confuse it a little bit. 
Dan, let's talk a little bit about a reverse exchange. Sure. In, in hopefully in its simplest term, um, talk a little bit about that. How does the reverse work now? All right, the re- reverse exchange has been around for a long, long time. And, and uh, back in the late 90s, uh, we got involved with the, uh, on a committee with the Internal Revenue Service. And, and we have, what the, came out of all of that was uh, called Revenue Procedure 2037. And what that allows you to do, everything we've talked about before, we're going to sell the old and then go buy the new. Okay. But we represent an awful lot of investors who will come across something they want. And so they want to buy the new before they sell the old. Okay. And that's the purpose of a reverse exchange. It's um, You cannot put 1031 money into a property you're already entitled to. So you can't sell one and pay off the mortgage on the other. So what we do is we create a new uh, limited liability company, which the IRS calls a exchange accommodation title holder or a NEAT, that will borrow the money from the client or from the client's lender, purchase a new property, hold it while the client gets the old property sold. Okay. So the, the real players in the game, particularly in about the last four years, um, and I've got clients I've done half a dozen of these for. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, they're buying, and then this, this particular gentleman, uh, owned about 30 uh, single-family residences that he'd acquired over the years. And he uh, ended up with um, six different apartment buildings. Okay. Because he would find it, we would grab it, he would then go sell three or four houses. Yep. And that allowed him to not have to worry about identifying and finding properties once the sale took place because he already had he the already property had in it. the back pocket. Okay. So you just created a new question in my mind, Dan. Yes. So can you sell several different properties under different names or socials or, or LLCs and combine them into one to purchase a new property? You can. Okay. Generally, all of those will be one taxpayer. Okay. Okay. If they're multiple taxpayers, then those multiple taxpayers would buy pieces of the A percentage of the- relates okay. to what they sold. Yeah. Correct. That makes sense. All right. Um. That helps. I mean, I, I think for me, that really breaks it down. I have a basic understanding of a 1031 exchange, having never done one. Um, on the lending side, we've had clients that have used 1031 exchanges, but it's certainly not us that's providing the advice on those. We're simply providing the lending. Yeah. Um, but that gives some great kind of behind the scenes of how this all comes together. Someone once said, you have not because you ask not. So ask, <laughs> and you'll get the information. Right? Give us a call. Right? Uh you may not have to speak to me. You may have to speak to somebody else on the on the team. But we're going to make sure that you have the information and an understanding of where you're going, so that you have a comfort level yeah. to do what you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I bet your clients that have used it for years and have done this several times, once they get going with it, they really have a good feel for it and understand how they can manipulate their own portfolios to benefit long term. Well, you would like to think they do, but they quite often will call me back and say, "Hey, I know you told me this two years ago, but tell it to me again." Just to make sure. We've got just about another minute or so here, Dan, but I've got a list of kind of frequently asked questions that you sent over for me. How long after the purchase do I have to sell my relinquished property? Um, If you're doing a reverse exchange, you have, again, that 180 days. Okay. All right. And these are specific to reverse. Sorry, I should should say that. Uh, Can I sell my relinquished property first and still do a reverse exchange for improvements? Absolutely, you can. And we do a significant number of those. Okay. Um, We're, you know, my favorite Starbucks 
years ago was the Texaco gas station. We did a reverse exchange, did an improvement, and now it's <laughs> now it's the, the Starbucks closest to my house. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. All right. And then can I sell multiple properties and use the funds for a reverse exchange? Absolutely. Um, either way, you can sell multiples and buy one. You can sell one and buy multiples. Oh, there you so go. We have clients who say, I'm tired of tenants and toilets. I want to buy an industrial building. Yep. At the same point in time, I had a client recently saying, if that renter moves out, I'm in trouble. I want something where I can have six renters. Yep. So we sold an industrial building and bought, and bought um, uh, I think, a duplex and several single-family residences. Cool. So, yes, mix and match. All right. Well, tons of great information today, Dan. Thanks. I feel like we could talk for another couple of hours here and I could just throw questions at you, but I'm sure you get questions all day. But um, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, If you didn't learn something new today on the show, then maybe you want to call Dan and you should be working for him because I think he gave us some great information today. Um, And also, if you'd like to get in touch with Dan or the team over there at the Exchange Resource Group, they can be reached at 303 seven eight nine one zero three one thank you for tuning in one last point there dan no we just like to say we made it as simple as possible seven eight nine ten thirty one there you go i mean (laughs) that is about as simple as as it can be right i like that thank you for tuning in to the mvp real estate and mortgage report if you have a question about financing for your next home or refinancing a current mortgage give us a call at three zero three 921-5747. Don't miss next week's show right here on ESPN Denver, 1600 AM, every Saturday morning at 7 AM. You can find past episodes on our podcast at denversports.com.